What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Reasonably Outrageous. I am Matt Wyrick, alongside my co-host, Blake Pace. Blake, how you doing, man? It's uh, Friday. The uh, week is over. How's your, how's your summer break going so far? Yeah, my summer Blake is going real well. Uh, I don't know. I, actually, I'm kind of just bored up here in New York. The weather has been <laughs> awful. I think it's rained just about every day. All of my friends are kind of doing like grown-up things, and I have to wait a couple months, a couple months for my grown-up things to begin. So now I'm just like, I've been sitting around. I've been drinking a lot with my parents. We've been going out nice. to bars. I think that's <laughs> what I'm doing tonight. I'm, I'm going to. So between that, drinking with my parents, and it's cool drinking with your parents because they end up, uh, they end up paying. So that's like really cool. So then I don't oh, have to yeah, pay for definitely. my drinks. And then <laughs> besides that, you know, I've just been working at the at a bagel shop up here. So that's been just fun. But you know, we're surviving. Hopefully, hopefully soon I can. I, I got a couple trips planned in the next few weeks. So we'll we'll have some more fun. But it's been pretty boring. How's your summer been? Yeah, about the same. I mean, I've been going back and forth between Harrisonburg, which is where JMU is, uh, for the listeners out there. Uh, you know, hanging out with some people down there at the pool. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a full tan going, which is nice. Oh, I'm nice. usually there pretty pale go. throughout the year, but <laughs> I got through the sunburn where you get so badly sunburned, your entire like body peels off. But oh. after that, you don't really burn. So I've no, gotten yeah. through that and now I'm just tan. So Good. Can't, can't complain too much. I'm like you, I'm waiting for the grown up things to happen. Uh, still waiting for a few offers to come in. So hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I've got that figured out and I know where I'm going to be. But for now, I'm you know, I'm that guy that's, uh, you know, living in his parents' basement, growing out his beard. So, uh, <laughs> hate to, hate life. to be that guy, but you know, yeah, living the life. So instead we, we go to a podcast, uh, to put our, our time to somewhat of good use. Exactly. Um, exactly. So let's, let's, let's go ahead and jump in here, uh, to a topic that's kind of been all over the news cycle the past couple days. And, mm-hmm. and that is the NFL, uh, exploring the use of medicinal marijuana, uh, for injury purposes uh, in, across the league, they're having a panel sit down, talk to some medical experts uh, to figure out uh, what you know the, the pros and cons are there. And it's not just marijuana; they're looking at a couple other uh, methods, which I don't think Goodell it, uh, talked about in his press conference. But he said there were other ones too. I don't think it's just marijuana, but that might be a cover. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He was giving a lot of non-answers uh, in that uh, that press conference. But Blake. Uh, what are your thoughts here, you know, on the NFL exploring this? And, and do you think that, you know, it's worth looking into? Yeah, well, so first off, the, the main thing that really attracted me to this was when when Chris Long retired and then he just, he was being asked questions on an interview somewhere and he just came out and was like, oh yeah, I was smoking pot throughout my entire NFL career to, uh, you know, alleviate pain, stuff like that, kind of relax after games and the you know, the Monday after a Sunday game, stuff like that. And to me, I've always been on this boat and, you know, I I just hate the fact that we've been stuffing painkillers down players' throats for their entire careers, which have serious negative effects on just, you know, mental health, um, you know, even just deteriorating your your inner organs. You know, I've never been on the boat that, you know, 
these painkillers, Vicodin, they have such terrible long-term effects. And so, you know, personally for me, um, I've been always on the side of thinking that, that marijuana does have a place um, in in professional sports and, and in the NFL specifically, since that's, you know, kind of the league that has the most pain inflicted on a daily basis. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, people have compared waking up on a Monday after a Sunday game to, you know, a boxer who just went 12 rounds waking up the next morning. And it's just like, you know, some football players can't get out of bed the next day. And so what do their trainers do? Their coaches do? All right, we'll, we'll pop these pills. We'll combine all these pills together and, and you'll be feeling better by the end of the day. Um, and you know, there are safer, uh, alternatives and I get that, you know, marijuana has had this negative stigma since, you know, I, I mean, it's entirety and, uh, the entirety of its use and, you know, uh, its population. And, you know, I just think that there, we have to change the stigma on it because there are positives that come out of smoking marijuana. And I'm not going to say that it's good for everybody and everyone needs to smoke pot to, to live a better and healthier life, but there are a lot of serious situations where it can help. And I certainly feel like in the professional athlete standpoint, there's a lot of, of good that could come from players, um, smoking or you know you know whatever other ways that they want to use it to alleviate their pain um, and I think it's definitely something that the the NFL it's it's a long time coming that it should be explored yeah absolutely I agree with you there I mean you know this is the the data is there I mean it's always it's been out there you know it's not hidden uh, the NFL I feel like has just kind of turned a blind eye to you know doctors uh, recommendations of, of this drug. Um, and even if you can call it a drug, which is a whole nother debate, but, you know, I, I think a, another big thing here is, you know, looking at, you know, players right now to, to on weekends and, uh, to deal with this pain are, are drinking too. I mean, you, you talk about the, the painkillers and that, you know, is super addictive, something that can have a lot of ne- negative long-term effects. Completely agree with you there, but there's also the, the drinking problem, right? I mean, you know, players going out to bars and getting into fights and, and, and going, uh, you know, clubbing and getting embarrassing videos of themselves. You know, if these players were theoretically smoking weed on their free time, I mean, what would they be doing? They'd be sitting at home playing video games, you know, maybe eating a bag of chips, uh, you know, just hanging out, not really getting themselves into trouble. I think that's another thing where, you know, it's something coaches would probably want to be, uh, allowed throughout the league because, you know, their players would be less of a liability in that regard. Uh, you know, going, instead of going out there, they're hanging out, not really, you know, doing anything to do it, get anybody wrong. Now, of course you have to approach this in the fact that it's not legal in all 50 States, you know, how exactly would the league regulate that? Uh, they can't exactly say, you know, if you play on these teams, you can, you can smoke, but if you play on these, you can't because, you know, you talk about, um, you know, road games or off season, uh, when they could go over there, theoretically do it legally, uh, and then come back, fail a drug test. And then you're going to, they're going to say, Hey, well, I did it legally. Um, you know, there's not really a way to differentiate that. Um, so they'd have to kind of figure out a way to, uh, regulate that maybe players who, uh, if they're looking at it from medicinal use, then you'd have to have a, an official injury designation in order to get it theoretically, which, you know, that's that's a whole other thing where, uh, you know, players might start jumping in and uh, saying they're injured when they're really not. And you're going to get a whole lot of day-to-day type injuries where mm-hmm. players will be 
you know, you, you come out of a game at the end and, and the coach will say like, oh yeah, you know, this player, uh, he, he's got a, a sore shoulder. We're not sure if he's going to be ready for next week. And they know full well that he'll be ready. It's a typical injury that, you know, players would deal with throughout the week. Um, but, you know, they start making this stuff up. That's where I think there's a gray area um, that the NFL would need to figure out an approach for. Now, me personally, I think it's an absolutely great idea to, you know, institute this in some way. I'm just a little bit cautious about how exactly uh, the league would implement it. I mean, this is a private company we're talking about. You know, they're not forced to do anything. They can uh, set this up any way they want, but I think it's it's got to be done the right way. And I'm not even saying I know what that right way is. I'm just saying that there are a lot of uh, gray areas here that the NFL has to be wary of. Wary of. Yeah, and the and the problem is is that you know as much as a, a player would be around his NFL team and his coaching staff and his you know, um, you know the training uh, medicine departments stuff like that, they're not under watch. You know they're not being surveillance twenty four seven. So you you know you the thing that I don't want is I don't want players to be going out there on a Sunday at one o'clock playing while they are high or you know. Um, maybe before, you know, their final practice. I don't want them coming in to practice, you know, under the influence. I feel like that's just damaging to the game, um, and it's kind of a disrespect toward the game. It's like if you were to, you know, it kind of it kind of reminds me back, and this was a different time and a different league, but back in like the 1910s where, where you'd have baseball players in the dugout just like drinking during the game. I just, I feel like we're at a point yeah. in, a, in, our, in our, you know, the where, where we are now that there's a certain respect that comes along with playing the game. And you wouldn't want your athletes under the influence or taking a substance such as marijuana during a game, before a game. Um, I feel like it would have to all be post, um, you know, a post-practice treatment. um, Team administered. Yeah, yeah, team administered, I feel like, specifically. Now, of course, with the fact that... You know, you you are going to have your players that will take the team-administered stuff maybe in the facilities, but then, you know, maybe a Saturday night and they're in their hotel room before an away game, they will as well. Now, that's – I don't think that that's, you know, damaging at all, especially with, the you know, the fact that, you know, you wake up Sunday morning, you've got all that time before the game. Um, so you have to kind of figure out the ways to handle it, and I feel like that's the, the problem. I think that's the main point that's been kind of pushing back against it is that we just – People don't know how to regulate, and I feel like this turns into more of just an even nationwide thing where it's like, you know, some states are starting to make this legalized and whatnot, but it's like, what? how is the best way to regulate it? And we're not going to know until we try things out. Like, people are just worried that, you know, if we start, you know, allowing this, it's just going to be, you know, the worst thing ever, and it's going to be, you know, a slippery slope, and no one's going to be able to know how to handle it ourselves, but, you know, it's trial and error, unfortunately, that's the way it has to go, it's not going to be perfect from the start, but if it's a healthier alternative for these athletes mentally and physically, you're going to have to go through that trial and error process to figure out what is the best outcome. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for the medicinal use, I mean, even, even recreationally, uh, I think, it's not a bad situation. Like I said, the whole partying aspect thing, yeah. they're, you know, using it in a controlled way. Now that, that this also becomes the problem. If it's team administered, are they going to have to go? Like, is the team doctors going to have to go to these players houses to do it? And, and, you know, cause like you can't administer at the facility yeah. and then allow them to drive home. You know, they're, they're going to need to, no, very true. obviously that's a, that's a DUI situation. Uh, yeah. you're not going to want to get in any, anything like that. So, you know, they're going to have to figure out a method, 
uh, for that. And if it's going to be just medicinal, then okay. Then maybe the doctor goes to your to the players' houses. I mean, that's that's going to be a whole hassle of, of having to drive to all these people's houses. Or you know, are you actually going to trust them by giving them a certain amount and letting them use it on their own? I don't know if that's necessarily the best situation. But if if you're talking, if that's only if you're talking strictly medicinal. If you're talking also uh, about recreational use, that's a whole another situation uh, where you know you're letting them do it on their own free time, um, and that's you know that that becomes a different conversation. Uh, sorry, I just disconnected with Blake. Gonna add him back here. Blake, you there? Yeah, sorry, I lost you for a second. I'm not sure what happened. My phone kind of just snapped. No problem. Uh, I was just kind of talking about uh, the recreational side of things. You know, Blake, do you think that? allowing recreational use uh, is, is within the realm of possibility is something that the NFL should consider? Or do you think it should stick strictly to the medicinal side? Well, you know, the thing is, is that I believe, and you know, it, it happens, you know, it's not just because they say that, you know, it's not allowed. Um, doesn't mean that players don't, of course, Chris Long, a well-respected player. And I think that's why most of this outcry has come is because it's like, Oh, Chris, Chris Long is such a law abiding citizen. He does so much charity work. Uh, and he's such an outspoken individual, politically, socially. He smokes weed? How dare he? He was playing football. Yeah. And so I feel like the problem is is that people just are so wrapped up on this stigma. Um, but, you know, I feel like one way or the other, it, you're going to have people using it recreationally um, if you do allow it. You know, you're just going to have to get over that concept that, you, you know, if the NFL realizes that they're going to allow it um, for medicinal purposes – there's no way to, I think, really distinguish and figure out, oh, this so-and-so over here is using it recreationally. Like, how are you going to figure that out? I don't know. I don't, there's, I don't feel like there's a way that you can test that to see, oh, this person took it from the team doctor at 5 p.m., but the next day at, at, at 10.30 in the morning, he took it on his own. Um, well, I agree with you there, but the, this is the thing is like I talked about before with the injury designation, you know, maybe if you, if you uh, had okay. an injury designation within the past month, uh, or six weeks sometime, I mean, if you're, you smoke enough, I think six weeks is the length amount of time you need to pass a drug test. Mm -hmm. Um, so say in the last six weeks, uh, if you had an injury designation, you are clear for, uh, passing a drug test or you pass a drug test, even if you fail for the marijuana portion. Whereas if you didn't have an injury designation that gets in the area of, you know, you could be suspended. Um, you know, and hmm. I, I, I don't, do you agree with, with that kind of system? Uh, or do you think that, you know, the, the injury designation thing is going to be abused because I do. And that's, that's, oh. I think where the, the crossroads is for, for the NFL. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it should end up being an injury designation because I think it just, even for the simple fact of, of, after a game, everyone is feeling the same type of pain, you know, maybe aside from, you know, the kicker and the punter on the team or maybe the backup quarterback. If you're playing the game of football and you are getting hit uh, on a play-by-play -play basis, you are going to want some type of medicine after. I, I, I would probably say that the majority of players after a game or the Monday after a game are taking painkillers. And so I don't think it's going to be an injury de designation. I feel like it's going to have to be the same thing with these painkillers where it's like, if you're after a practice that you've been hitting each other or you're after a game, you are allowed to, you know, uh, to, to smoke marijuana to or, you know, to, to receive it from a team doctor to kind of facilitate it and, and kind of help you with the aches and pains of just playing a, a dangerous and hard hitting sport like professional football. And so I don't know if an injury list makes sense because or an injury designation because I feel like it should be a thing where, you know, 
it should be allowed for players just who play football to use it to alleviate the pain that they get on a Sunday playing football. Yeah, I think one thing uh, that will be fun to to look out for are the flights back from road games. Uh, we might be seeing some yeah. uh, some, some funny cloudy, videos, some cloudy uh, planes. coming. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out of uh, coming out of that. I think you know that would be a big thing. That's something you can control. Everybody's going to be sitting in their seats for the next five hours, so why not? You know, mm-hmm. uh, do that before they get on the flight. But um, yeah, I think uh, an injury designation area. That's where you start to get a little bit murky. Um, you know, especially in the world now of fantasy football. Um, you know, not to say that, you know, mm. they need to look out for fantasy football owners, but more so that that, that kind of thing gets so scrutinized now where, you know, maybe, maybe 20 years ago, you know, nobody really thought much about it, uh, throughout the week. If somebody was day to day with, uh, with the shoulder pain, you know, they said, you know, they're, they're listed as questionable, but this is a guy who's, who's never had injury problems. You know, that's someone, something nobody would ever really bat an eye at. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, you know, that's going to be heavily discussed, on, you know, uh, talk shows and, and podcasts and things like that where, you know, oh, man, is, is uh, God, I don't want to give any players names because I don't want to, you know, stigmatize anybody. But just to say, is this player uh, going to be, you know, available? That, that's going to be a big talking point going into the game. Uh, a lot of, you know, people are going to shift the narrative around that and they'll have to answer questions about it throughout the week. Um, so, yeah, I think there needs to be a better system. If it, I think, honestly, if you do uh, approve it, then you need to open it up to everybody in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Just remove mm-hmm. it from the banned substance list altogether. Um, but you need to come up with a system for administering it, uh, and you're, you're going to need to come up with a system, you know, that uh, operates under you know state and federal law. Uh, yes, to that's also these true. Things, right? Um, we, which is is another hurdle to jump through. I mean, even if the NFL, which I don't think it would come to a decision before this season, even if it comes to a decision before next season uh, on this. I don't think it's something we would be seeing for another three, four years, just because just getting all of that stuff ironed out uh, is going to take a long time. Yeah, yeah, and we could see this, you know, possibly even a topic maybe uh, when the CBA comes up. I believe in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, maybe yeah, the player side would like to, to bring that up there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna, I agree with you. I feel like if we are going to make this. Um, you know, if we're going to take this off the banned substance list, it needs to be for everybody. Um, and I don't think there's a way to designate between recreational and medicinal uh, purposes. So yeah. I feel like it's going to have to be one of those things where it's just like a player can wake up Monday morning and if he's struggling to get out of bed or if he's in pain or he just wants to, you know, he just wants to relieve himself from just, you know, you know what he went. Day to day grind. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah exactly. That I think that they should be allowed to do that. Of course, Within federal and state laws, of course, we have to also, you know, take into, a, you know, um, accordance that, the, you know, we only have, I, I don't even know how many states have um, legalized or decriminalized, but I don't know what we're up to at this point. But it does seem on a trend where we could be getting to a point where the United States does allow, um, you know, uh, the use of marijuana, recreational use. But, um, you know, I do think that that we are moving on a trend and I do think that it would be just so much better for the players. You know, we, we want to look out for the players and we want to care about the players, long-term health CTE. We've seen players just take so much damage and, and they mix it with, you know, just bottles of Vicodin. Um, and they end up, you know, you know, just down a, a terrible road at the end of their lives. And I know people will, you know, 
you know, people are against the use of marijuana for whatever reasons they find it. It has a very bad stigma and it has for decades. But I do believe that as time goes on, we are going to see that it is one of the safer alternative options to, uh, you know, relieve pain and, and there's other, you know, medicinal purposes for it. Absolutely. I think overall, it's something that's worth exploring, and mm-hmm, we're just going to kind of have to see what the NFL, uh, you know, co- what kind of conclusion it comes to. At least it, it's taking the step. I mean, you know, for the past however many years with, with all the studies that have come out about marijuana, for the NFL to just continually put it on the blind eye list. And in, not just the NFL. I mean, you know, I look at like a league like the NBA, which is considered more progressive. I'm kind of surprised that the NFL, the NBA has taken such a, a big stance against it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, same MLB, I mean, obviously not as much pain involved, uh, in baseball, but you know, hockey, that, that's another sport that could benefit from something like this. Um, obviously Canada has, uh, legalized it. So mm-hmm. you have a couple of teams oh. in Canada in the NHL. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think this, the NFL, you know, obviously being the, the, the league that generates the biggest revenue gets the most media coverage for that league to be exploring it. I think is bigger than the other three because, you know, it would have a quicker domino effect, I believe, uh, on mm-hmm. the other leagues, specifically the NHL and the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think MLB I mean, could be not far behind. I already think that they're not coming out and publicly saying it, but I do think that the NBA already is, like, under the table, like, hey, we don't care. Because, I mean, there, I, I, there have been a few instances where, you know, D'Angelo Russell got, a, you know, detained at an airport for having uh, – he was trying to bring weed on yeah. a plane. And, you know, I, I guess we haven't seen a punishment handed down yet, but I haven't seen one yet. And um, I, I think back of uh, – I was watching the Rising Star Challenge two years ago, and CJ McCollum is on the bench interviewing Brandon Ingram. And listen, I it, people might try and defend and say that he wasn't, but the man was high. He, he was high and so so you know i think that the the nba i just i think they already they're they're more they're i would say the more progressive league out of the four major sports by a long shot and so i think that they already have something i don't think they want to come out and publicly say it but i definitely feel like their restrictions on marijuana use is far less severe than these other leagues but if the nfl definitely starts looking into it we could see something very quick uh, especially across, you know, like you said, uh, baseball and hockey or basketball. Yeah, hockey. I'm looking. I'm looking at the D'Angelo Russell uh, situation, and he wasn't even. He was fined less than a hundred dollars oh. uh, for uh, the the incident. I don't know. It was in Louisville, so I don't know what Kentucky's marijuana laws are. Right. But I'm guessing that they allow some kind of carrying because if you're not being criminally charged then uh, that's that's kind of how that works. And he isn't suspend he wasn't suspended at all. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's that's just kind of how the NBA is approaching it. Uh, NFL obviously has been much stricter uh, in that regard. Um, it, it's yeah. I mean the NFL is under more scrutiny. Uh, I think for that its fan base is older uh, and tend typically older people are not in favor of of marijuana use uh, recreationally or medicinally. So you know I guess that's kind of where it stands, but. Uh, anything else uh, on this topic while we're on it, Blake? Yeah, not that I can think of. The only other thing that I was I was thinking just of the um, of what am I thinking of? Um, oh yeah, the two year ban uh, that just ha- was handed down a couple weeks ago to Tyreek Evans um, in the NBA. I would love to know what necessarily he tested positive for. 
uh, because he he did violate the anti-drug policy. And this happened to uh, O.J. Mayo a few years ago, who also hasn't been reinstated. Mm -hmm. But um, Evans is hit with a two-year ban for violating something. I would have to think that that is not uh, weed-related. But it'll be interesting to see if it ever comes out what what he was specifically banned for. I know that's not really related to what we were talking about, but when we got onto yeah, the think NBA, that's kind of where my I mind would say took it's me. some kind of performance hands performance enhancing drug right. more than yeah more than that. Um, which that's pretty rare in the NBA, just in general. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nobody nobody commented on it. The NBA, the the Pacers, nobody. Uh, commented on the situation so it's just kind of like this like ambiguous well he's banned for two years uh, i guess we'll see that I'm, I'm i haven't heard anything about an appeal no um so i, I don't know I, I really don't know yeah very interesting but no i think that's all i've got on the topic i feel like we we kind of are both on the same page it's just it's going to be tough on how they approach it but i definitely think it's it's a you know it's about time that they are starting to make progress Absolutely. So let's let's take a look over now some MLB mm-hmm. um, about a, a prospect who is doing something a little bit unorthodox. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so Carter Stewart. Oh, you want to go into it? I, I could just I could leave this in and talk to you about it because I know I know you were talking to me. You've got some interesting insight on this. Nineteen-year-old pitcher Carter Stewart um, agreed to a six-year, uh, around seven million-dollar contract with the. Oh, Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks uh, in the Japanese Pacific <laughs> League. Um, and uh, this was after, you know, Stewart was drafted number eight overall uh, last year by the Atlanta Braves, and he was unable to reach a contract with them. I believe it was over injury concerns, correct? Yes. Yes. So he instead he went to junior college, and he was expected to be a second rounder in the next month's draft, which would sign him to around about $2 million, uh he would sign for around two million and then be paid nothing essentially in the minor leagues. Instead, now he will take himself to uh, to Japan, make seven million dollars uh, in a six-year deal, and then he'll also be able to hit uh, MLB free agency. I believe around the time he's twenty-five or twenty-six years old, um, and he would be able to sign with any MLB team, any of the thirty. Uh, very unorthodox move. Um, and one we really haven't seen before. So Matt, I want to talk, you know, just your immediate thoughts about him specifically. And then, you know, maybe the problems that could be coming in the future, because if one guy was able to make this decision, there could be a trickle effect. And then next thing you know, we've got some serious problems in the major league draft. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this all begins and ends with Scott Boris, uh, who is the agent uh, for Stewart. And this is something he's been touting uh, for a while. And it was actually uh, mentioned as a possibility for Steven Strasburg uh, back before he was drafted uh, back in 2010. Um, So this is definitely something that's been on his radar. I guess he just hasn't really been able to convince a client to do it uh, until now. But yeah, it's it's a big deal. Uh, Him going over to Japan makes him a free agent at 25. And I think that's part. I think why this was able to happen now is because of the last two free agencies, uh, where we've looked at players who have you know been established. You know, guys like uh, uh, Craig Kimbrell uh, and Dallas Keuchel, who are still available now, uh, still have not signed a deal, and apparently have dropped their val- their uh, asking prices and are still not finding uh, any kind of contracts at this point, uh, which is is very alarming. You know, for a player who like Stewart. Uh, you know, turn down that that first 
uh, offer at number eight overall. Now went to junior college and uh, expected to be a second round pick, so he would wouldn't get you know probably would get half, uh, if not even less than what he was originally offered uh, last year. You know, for him to to look at this situation now and say, I'm not going to become a free agent until I'm 28 years old. I see what the state of, of veterans being paid right now. And front offices are only getting smarter. Uh, you know, there's only more and more data being available to them. And they're looking at the aging curve and deciding it's not worth signing these players to extended offers. You know, why not go over to Japan where I'm going to get paid more now, more now, $7 million, uh, over the next six years, which is more than he would be paid uh, as a minor leaguer, plus he'd be able to play at a professional level as opposed to having to play, uh, you know, travel around the minor leagues where you're getting paid, you know, the bare minimum, you know, having to make ends meet half the time. A lot of these players, you know, have a, a, a host houses where they live, where people in the local area volunteer to let these players live at their houses so that they can save money, um, you know, and they'll work part-time jobs during the off season. I mean, this is it's a great deal for him. I mean, obviously he's got to go to an unknown country of Japan where he's going to have to, you know, maybe learn the language, you know, integrate to a new culture, you know, leave his entire family behind. All of that is certainly something that, you know, would cause a lot of players to be reserved about it. It's, you know, I understand why nobody's done it up until this point, but now Stewart is willing to, to put his neck out there and say, you know, I'm going to take the more money. Uh, that's going to help me better in the long term, And, you know, I'm going to be able to play for a team that's, was it four of the last five Japan yeah. championships, yeah. Um, you know, play for an outstanding organization. Uh, you know, that's, you know, something that it's, it's worth trying. Uh, you know, he's definitely going to be betting on himself now because he's going to have to play really well uh, over there in order to get a big deal. Now, the posting system, the way that works is the team that, uh, you know, after the six years is over, the team that had him has to post him. Uh, and that team actually gets a cut of what he's paid. Uh, from the new organization in Major League Baseball. Um, So that's going to be a whole other issue where, you know, he might not be able to get, like, you know, a a huge deal because, you know, for whatever uh, amount of that is, that their percentage is going to have to be paid uh, to the, uh, you know, agreeing Japan team. Um, But, you know, this is definitely, it's going to set a precedent. I think, I don't think this is the last time we're going to see it. Um, but it is gonna. There is. It isn't gonna be a, a big flurry of players where all of a sudden we're getting you know 15 out of the top 30 players in every draft mm-hmm. going uh, across seas because in the Japan League there's a cap on the number of international players you can have on your squad, uh, and so that's. It's not gonna be an. Uh, I would say a common thing, but you know I think we could get to the point where a couple years down the line we start seeing one or two players do it every year, um, mm-hmm. which you know is obviously a huge jump in what we've seen before, and I. Honestly, I like that because that means that that these players are going to be free agents around, you know, age 25, 24, whatever it is. uh, And and that's when they're going to become free agents. And that's going to be huge uh, for the teams that do sign them because they're going to be getting players for their entire primes as opposed to, you know, parts of it. Right. Now, so you're saying that, you know, we see a chance maybe one or two people every, every, you know, other year or so. Is this a problem for the major for for the MLB, is there something that they need to do to change this, or do you think that this also is something that's not that serious um, on their part? Where now they've got a guy that probably would have been taken, you know, in, in the end of the first or you know beginning of the second round, and is now choosing to spend you know the beginning of his professional career overseas. Well, I, I think this is part 
only going to be part of a broader conversation about okay. compensation for minor leaguers. The, mm-hmm. the next CBA, uh, the current CBA ends in 2021, so we're going to need one, a new one in 2022. And all signs right now are pointing to some kind of strike or standoff. The, the Players Union and Major League Baseball are not on the same terms right now. They are very much at odds with each other. The whole free agency situation has a lot of people disappointed. Minor leaguers are, uh, you know, being, like I said, they're having to make ends meet. They're not getting paid very much. Uh, and the, the Players Union, you know, hasn't really taken minor leaguers under its wing uh, mm-hmm. as much as I wish it did. So I think I think that's something that's come into the limelight a little bit more uh, in the past couple years, and that's going to be a big talking point for the union uh, going into the next CBA discussions. They've already started meeting, which is good, because, I yeah. mean, they, with how far apart they are right now, uh, they really have a lot of things to discuss. Um but I think that that free agency is going to get a look. I think the qualifying offer uh, is going to be uh, uh, examined, revenue sharing, all of that, uh, because you know the tanking problem in baseball is real, uh, and and that's just a whole a whole big discussion that the players' union and major league baseball are going to need to have, and and minor leaguers are a big part of that. And the draft obviously is an important piece uh, for um, you know teams to rebuild. Now, if we start seeing, you know, a couple of these, these, if we start seeing guys at the top of the draft, I mean, I'm talking top five picks. Those are the guys that start going to Japan or or Korea, uh, you know, wherever they want to go to play. I think that's when it becomes a problem for the players union, because that's when the teams that are tanking are losing talent at the top of the draft. And that's where, you know, they start getting an issue and it becomes more urgent for them uh, to make an issue, to make some kind of agreement in that regard. Now, I think overall right now it's it's more of, you know, it just kind of gives the union ammunition, uh, not necessarily makes it a priority for them to fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, I don't think Major League Baseball is overly concerned. I think it's, it's just more now, you know, the union can point to this in negotiations and say, look, you know, players are so disgruntled with this, the young guys, that they're not even coming here to play. Don't you want the best players in the world in your league? Uh, and they're going to be like, of course we do. And so that's going to, you know, create some kind of banner there. Right. And, and, you know, it just adds, you know, another thing, like you're saying, to a long list of, of problems that are going to be coming up for baseball. One of the other things that I think is is really interesting with this, and it, it's, it goes across all major sports um, that I've kind of just been noticing, is we're moving toward more um, of a unit, towards of players' freedom, their freedom of choice, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Antonio Brown who signed a massive deal with the Steelers. He wants out. He wants more money with his next team. He got exactly what he wanted. Um, you know, there are certain players that if they're not a uh, if they're, you know, not too keen on their situation, there are certain avenues that they can take where they get what they want. Now, of course, um, in, in this situation he does, you know, Carter does need to go to Japan and you know, he's betting on himself and he really needs to, you know, um, you know, make a big name for himself over the next six years. Um, and But then he has the freedom of being available to to all 30 MLB teams. And it's, it's one of those situations where you're not drafted by a team and maybe, you know, maybe as a pitcher, they've already got a, a solid young pitching staff and they're kind of just holding you uh, in the minors or a lesser role forever. Now he has the freedom of choice to choose um where he wants to go how is that maybe that situation itself we're we're looking down six years you know six seven years down the road from now um in a situation like that say everything goes well uh say he you know is one of the better pitchers uh in the japan league um in the japanese pacific league and he has the freedom and and he can sign wherever he wants will that make it 
uh, enticing enough for, you know, more players to do this? Um, or do you think that this is more likely just where you think it, it could just be, um, you know, a flash in the pan kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly if it works, I mean, that's going to provide a model for, you know, we're talking about kids between the ages of 18 and 22. I mean, our age and younger, um, who are, you know, tantalized by the idea of making millions and, you know, not a lot of players want to, to travel around in, in buses and, you know, play in front of crowds of, of 1500 or less, uh, you know, for four or five years before they're, you know, finally making it to the bigs. I mean, look at Kyler Murray, uh, you know, a guy who was drafted in the first round by, by the athletics, you know, a top 10 pick, uh, you know, definitely was, was given, uh, you know, the opportunity to, uh, make it quickly through the minors. I mean, he was somebody who was seen as, as a player who could, you know, eventually, you know, get up to the majors while still, you know, on the younger side of his career, which means he still would have, you know, make it to like maybe age 27, age 28, uh, uh, free agency opportunity, which is better than, you know, making it at 32, which is, oh, yeah. is happens a lot uh, across the league when players, you know, who aren't first round picks take a while to develop. Um, you know, he was given that opportunity, but he looked, I mean, I, you know, I don't really know exactly what reason. I don't think he actually, actually gave a reason besides, you know, football is my, my passion uh, for why he chose the NFL over the MLB. Um, but I, ha I can't, you know, sit here and say he didn't look at, you know, the state of Major League Baseball and the state of, of the minor leagues right now and say, you know, I don't want to do that. Fuck that. I, I don't want to have to go through that kind of process. I want to, you know, be a star now. I want to, you know, mm -hmm. be put in a situation where I'm already making millions. I've already got screaming fans, people wearing my jersey. You know, that for him, that would wouldn't happen, uh, you know, for a couple years, and, and nobody's going to want to sit through that. Uh, so, you know, Major League Baseball has got to approach the minor leagues in a new way. I mean, you know, they've got to compensate their players better. Uh, you know, maybe even you know, dedicate more media coverage uh, into these guys so that they're getting. You know, like we we talked about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, a little while back before he came up, and how he was really getting a lot of hype uh, that you know we aren't accustomed to seeing in minor league players. You know, he was kind of it was kind of even outside of baseball, people knew who he was. You know, coming up, that's I think that needs to happen for more minor league players. Uh, you know, there's a, a former I can't remember if he's number one overall pick, Brendan McKay. Uh, just got promoted to AAA yesterday. You know, I didn't see any, I saw it on Twitter, uh, by, from Baseball America, which is a, a minor league baseball, basically blog, um, that, and magazine that really only looks at the minors and, and college level sport of baseball. And, you know, that's the only place I saw it. Uh, you know, that's something that, that should be all over the place. You know, like this guy, Brendan McKay, a top five pick, uh, you know, he, he got promoted to AAA. He's one, on the cusp of getting to the majors. Why isn't anybody talking about that? You know, that's something that I think Major League Baseball has a major marketing problem. Uh, and, and I think that's a, a big thing for these young kids who are coming into the league saying, you know, oh, man, I'm going to have to really put in the grind. And if, you've got to love baseball, man. If, if you are, are doing that, if you're putting yourself through, you know, the tough financial situation, the tough travel situation. I mean, that's tough on you. It's tough on your family. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of free time during the season. Uh, you know, that's, you really got to love baseball. That's all I'm saying. And, mm -hmm. you know, with, with a guy like Kyler Murray, who baseball would love to have a guy like Kyler Murray. He's just, he's got such a great attitude, uh, you know, a, would be a good ambassador for the game. Somebody who, you know, would be on a lot of highlight tapes uh, and a lot of people outside baseball would know, like that's, that's the whole Bryce Harper effect of Philadelphia. You know, part of the reason he got all that money is because now, you know, people who don't know baseball know Bryce Harper. 
And now the Philadelphia, he's attached to the Phillies, and that's a big marketing thing for them. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray could have been a guy like that. I mean, I couldn't tell you another minor leaguer aside from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who could really be, you know, attached to that kind of pedigree. Um, and you could honestly argue players within the league right now who has that pedigree besides Harper. I mean, nobody. I mean, ESPN releases a top 100 uh, athletes in terms of famousness or whatever uh, every year. And I think in the past five years, Bryce Harper is the only athlete on that list. Uh, wow. Alex Rodriguez was the last one before him. Hmm. Uh, you know, he last played in 2016, and he hasn't been good since 2015. So, you know, or, or maybe it was he was good in 16, bad in 17. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Um, so outside of Alex Rodriguez and Bryce Harper, baseball just hasn't, you know, Derek Jeter, baseball just hasn't had, you know, those guys to, to really be the face of, of the league. And, you know, they're, they're losing out. And I think that's where, you know, I'm not saying Carter Stewart is a guy who would be the face of baseball, but there are going to be other players who, you know, look to not just other leagues, uh, you know, within within baseball, but other sports because they don't really want to, to have to go through this grind uh, of being a low end baseball player. And it's hard to blame them. You know, baseball, it needs it needs an, an overhaul to to make. Uh, you know, market its young players and make the league better for its young players. I mean, you know, you look at what uh, a guy like, um, you know, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is making right now. I mean, it's the league minimum. And yes, you got to pay your dues. You know, obviously, you, you're not going to make as much as you will later in your career. But, you know, he's making like $1.2 million uh, this year. Uh, maybe if that, uh, I'd have to look uh, at exactly what his contract would be. But, you know, the, the the Blue Jays manipulated it so he was in the minors two years longer than he should have been. I mean, if, if you're a guy with that kind of talent, uh, you know, his his uh, final year with the Blue Jays is now going to be, I think it's his age 29 season. I mean, you know, that's, you know, you got to make it in, an incentive for these teams to bring up these players, to give them that opportunity. And I think my I saw this, this I think, I want to say it was Buster Olney uh, came up with it. Um, ESPN uh, commentator. I think I think that the uh, the big plan here should be is start that clock, the the service time clock, as soon as you are signed. I mean, right? You know, you you say you are under contract for six years with your team, and it doesn't matter if you're in the minor leagues or the major leagues. When you uh, you know, if you come in the league as a 22 year old college kid, uh, you know that means you hit it at 28. If you decide to join at, at 18 out of high school, which is what Major League Baseball should be doing, is trying to get these players not to go to college and to mm -hmm. come and, and play uh, for them as, as high schoolers, that means at 18 you'll be free agent at 24. I mean, that's you know a, a fantastic time to be hitting free agency. Um, you know where we have, we don't even see that. I mean, even Carter Stewart won't be hitting it until he's 25. If you do that, you set it at six years, maybe even seven years, right? Say seven years if you're a high school kid, six years if you're a college kid, okay? And that is how long the team has you regardless of what level you're at. That is going to make the team's priority to help you develop as quickly as possible, get you in the majors, uh, and set up the best situation for you. And that's you know that's what not what the MLB has right now yeah. uh, because it's just not it's costly for them to have to do that. But I think that would fix free agency. I think that would you know create the demand again because the demand now is is these teams are looking to these younger players so they only have to pay one two million dollars a year uh, who are marginally worse than the players who are on free agency right now, but would cost significantly less. 
you know, a, a guy like like Mark Reynolds, who was a free agent last season, uh, ended up coming over to the Nats uh, maybe a month into the year, signing a minor league deal. A guy who hit, I think, 40 home runs the year before, <laughs> wasn't able to find a contract in free agency, ended up having to settle for a minor league deal. Uh, you know, there were players who who wouldn't weren't going to hit 40 home runs, but maybe maybe they hit 20. Uh, and, you know, play a little bit better defense than Reynolds did at third base. Uh, so, you know, we're going to sign them. We're just going to keep them uh, instead to reduce our payroll. Uh, keep us, you know, the the, the, bar, the revenue sharing agreement says if you're in the bottom whatever percentage of the league uh, in payroll, then you get uh, better um, value for your qualifying offers when, when you have stars hit free agency. You get higher picks. Uh, you get more... Um, uh, money in international free agent spending, uh, that kind of thing. And that's just, it's, it's bad incentives. It's, yeah. it's really a, a system that, I mean, you know, this is not all major league baseball's fault. The, the, the players union in the last CBA didn't focus enough mm-hmm. on these kinds of issues. They, they made it all about player benefits. That was a big thing for them was on the road. Players get better amenities, uh, in the hotels, they get better travel situations, you know, that kind of thing was, was a big thing for them. And it was a big win when they got it. It was like, all right, yeah, well, you know, players are now going to major league baseball players, not minor league players, major league players are going to be treated better now, uh, on the road, uh, given more off days throughout the year. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. But major league baseball didn't have to budge on any of these financial implications. And now we're looking at a situation where the players are totally screwed. Uh, and, and it's the union's fault for not arguing it. And it's major league baseball's fault for not taking the initiative itself, um, which, you know, financially, it's a business. It's got to do what it's got to do. I get that. Uh, but at the end of the day, these are people. These are, you know, players who, you know, have uh, livelihoods that we need to look out for. And it's not just the major leaguers. It's, it's if, if, you, if Major League Baseball really wants to solve this problem where it's losing a declining fan base, its fans are older, you want more young players in it, encourage the young players to come to the league by making a better situation for them when they get there. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> Like you said, it's a list of problems that they have coming up, and it's going to spiral to when this CBA ends. And yes, they're already meeting. Uh, we could very well see this go on for quite some time. We could very easily, in my eyes, see a you know a lockout season or we miss some baseball. Um, but you have to hope that they do get that on the right uh, track, and you know make it more affordable, I guess, even, or, or more beneficial, like you were saying, for not just the major league players, but the minor league system. And, you know, I, I think the idea of, of you know, they've got that six or seven year deal the second that they, you know, are out of high school or college, wherever they're selected, that, that you said that that'll bring up, uh, you know, hopefully incentivize them, the teams and the players to uh, get these younger stars uh, in a better position. Are there any other angles with this kind of topic that you wanted to touch on? Um, I think, I think that's pretty much it. I think that's like the wrong, longest rant that I've ever had. Oh, oh yeah. That, that, that uh, was a record <laughs> rant. That was, I'm going to go back and clock that, but that was a, a record time kind of rant. I loved, I loved yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, it's, I mean, this whole, this whole thing with the lockout, you know, coming, uh, you know, I love baseball. Baseball has been my passion for, you know, almost my entire life. And, you know, I don't want to see a situation where we don't have baseball being played. Yeah. And uh, I don't think the, the players union doesn't want that. The, the league doesn't want that. There's a lot of money being lost in that situation. Um, and I'm glad that they are already meeting uh, to figure that out. But, you know, uh, there's there's just they need to they need to figure this out. They need to figure out. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily Stewart here is, is going to set um, this this big talking point where they have to, you know, uh, 
take this into account. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm interested to see if it starts a trend. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't be... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see maybe some players with some better pedigree uh, do it. Now, like you said, I mean, Stewart's got to play well. Uh, you know, he could get hurt. You know, he could lose. He could regress. You know, he could not be good. I mean, he's going into a professional league. I think, uh, you know, the Japan League is like a quadruple A uh, in terms of talent level. Gotcha. It's better than triple A baseball, but it's not, you know, at the level of MLB. So he's going to be going against tougher competition. I mean, there is minor leagues in that. So that's probably where they'll start him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's as I don't think there's as many levels uh, as there are in, in the majors. I couldn't tell you exactly what they have over there. But um you know, he, he'll probably be up in the, the majors, quote unquote, uh, quicker than he would be, yeah. uh, you know, over here in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how he performs um, and if, if this is something that players can adapt to right away. Because, you know, maybe, you know, being thrust into that level of competition right away for a, a player who, you know, doesn't have any professional experience might be a little too hard. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I just kind of have to see how that all works out and, you know, maybe... We'll see how it goes. Yeah, certainly. Well, before we wrap things up, there is one more topic that I wanted to bring up to you, and it's another baseball one. Uh, Matt, have you checked okay. your ESPN fantasy app recently? Oh my god! So this is this is the big <laughs> yes. this is the big week for Matt and I in uh, fantasy baseball. Our, our dynasty teams are facing off against one another, and my bats are on fire. Uh, right now I've got a narrow, it's a very narrow lead, so I shouldn't be bragging because there is a very good likelihood that I end up losing this one, but I am up six to four currently. We're here Friday. I've got two more days to kind of hold out this lead, you know, batting a solid. My offense did well yesterday and still wasn't able to compete with you. I was, Oh, not at all. I've got, I've got 15 home runs already. I'm batting 318 with a 1.044 OPS. Uh, the only thing that has helped me out in the pitching area is that your relievers gave up some uh, some really bad totals over the last few days. So Sean I have a narrow man. Oh, dude! And then Canely also gave up a run in his one inning. Uh, the other, I think it was yesterday's game. Yeah. So you know your 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 uh, bullpen hasn't been doing too great for you. My bats have been on fire, and they've been from the most random people. I also want to bring that up. Uh, Miguel Sano has I think three home runs this week against you. Uh, Clint Frazier also has three. That's another thing. I've got Luke Voigt and Clint. Frazier and the Yankees this week got to play the Orioles and then next up they play the Royals so uh pretty exciting times for the uh for my fantasy baseball team but this will be a pretty big week you're gonna have to stay tuned if you're listening for uh Monday's episode to see if I was able to hold on to this lead or if I talked too much game and blew it uh in the final two days or three days (laughs) I don't know. Uh, my it's right now. It's like my pitching has been the uh, we were going into yesterday. We we're tied five to five in categories, and yeah. my pitching was I was wearing all the pitching categories. You were winning all the hitting, and you definitely seem closer in the hitting or the pitching categories than I am in the mm-hmm. uh, in the hitting. So we'll see, man. It'll um, be interesting. I'm actually picking up Aledmus Diaz right now because freaking Jeff McNeil just went on the IL. So throwing him into my lineup for day. Bam, bam. All right, now I have a full lineup. Uh, got Kyle Hendricks going today though, and he's been killing it. So do I have anyone you know, we'll going see. today on the mound? Let's see who I've got on the mound. Anybody? Uh, I've got Lu Lucchesi, Lucchesi for the uh, Padres. My my favorite yep. my my uh, NL team that I've decided. I think I told you about this right, the other yeah. week. They're my NL yeah. team, so <laughs> I had to get a pitcher on there because I've got uh, Fran Mel Reyes. I did end up dropping uh, Manuel Margot though, so you know very. 
tough day for me dropping my second favorite team. I'm so sorry. Uh, but, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll power through, uh, you know, and I think we actually, we both are 3-3-1 three, three and one right now, right? So this is for, you know. Uh, uh, did you tie? I, oh, I had a more tie last now? week. I had a tie oh, last week. I had so a tie I think, earlier this week. So too. I think we're both 3-3-1 three, three and one on the season. So this will be a big yeah, we week are. For, for one of us. But very exciting oh, times in the uh, in the <laughs> Sabermetric Sandlot Dynasty Baseball League. Very proud of that name, by the way. I like it. Yeah, it's very Believe clever me. of you. Very clever of you. Thank you. Thank you. My best work. Yeah, of course. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Don't forget to follow us both on Twitter. Blake is at Blake Andrew Pace. You can find his work at Stampede Blue. And what's the Syracuse blog called again? Dude, it's called Troy Nunez is an Absolute Magician. That is a handful to say, or a mouthful, I yeah, guess. Geez. So I'm just going to call it. I'm just going to call it Troy Nunez. Um, which of course is, uh, is <laughs> SB Nation a, Troy Nunez. Yeah, you should be able to find it. A, a late, uh, a late Syracuse quarterback, great. So, uh, so I'm just I'm at I'm at Troy Nunez. That's all I'm going to say. It. All right, and I'm over at Federal Baseball. Just had a piece go up today about how the Nats should retool. So if you're interested in that, I did a deep dive. Talked about the Yankees. Oh yeah, uh, a lot. So that's Blake's team. So oh, check yeah. that out if you're a fan of either team. Um, Nats obviously not in the same state the Yankees are. <laughs> no. I think they could get there in a year or two by following the Yankees' plan. So go ahead and give that a read. Also went back on JMU Sports News's podcast yesterday. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're playing in the Super Regionals tonight at 8 um, against UCLA, the number two seed uh, in the softball tournament. Uh, big game for Jamie. Jamie, the only uh, non-Power 5, non-seeded team to be in the Super Regionals. Wow. Uh, so certainly the biggest underdog in the entire field right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in going against the number two team in the country, UCLA, absolutely you know, uh, an insane team this year. I mean, just looking at their numbers. Um, but the, the three finalists for Player of the Year... One of them is on Oklahoma, who is number one team in the country. Uh, number the, the second one is uh, on UCLA, number two team in the country, and number three is Megan Good of JMU. Um, so that just in itself shows JMU can at least compete. Uh, you know, hopefully Megan Good went off in the last round. So I talked yeah, to did. Bennett Conlin uh, about that, and it was a lot of fun. So go ahead and give that a listen if you're into college softball. Oh yeah, definitely. I think our college softball oh, audience yeah. is very big here. And did you see that now that we've graduated, Bridgeforth, our football stadium, is allowing beer? Yeah, uh, what's up with that? Stadium. I mean, yeah, I, come on, man. <laughs> like, this is an outrage. It wouldn't have mattered to me last year, and it wouldn't have mattered to you. Well, I guess you wouldn't have been old enough to drink then. But like, I, I guess I, they won't probably let you know Katie and Noah drink up in the press box next year. But that would have been so no. much fun. Four <laughs> beers, and you can you can buy them until the end of the third quarter. Like, talk about a good way to keep fans in the stadium. Uh, Seriously, that's that's been a big problem. Is, is fans leaving at halftime? Oh yeah, I'm super jealous. But I'll be really excited whenever I do decide to visit back and catch a game on Saturday to be able to drink. Uh, you know, I've already put out that I hope that they supply uh, you know bush light in the stadium. So hopefully <laughs> they hear my my cry or they hear my plea to uh, make that happen. <laughs> I'm sure they will, Blake. Oh, yeah. They're listening very closely to your takes. Exactly. Yeah, they love me. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you all so much for listening and have a good one. Take care.